message. Father, I pray you'd open hearts today to receive it, Lord God. I pray you'd give understanding to people to make it clear the message that's for them this morning. I don't know what that is, but you do. I'm just called to preach your word. And so, Lord, I just ask that you would do the work and the Holy Spirit that provides in us would receive your word. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, since it is the celebration of Jesus' resurrection, you might think that the sweetest word in all the Bible is Jesus. And you would have a very good argument. In our program Friday night, we began with the reading of Philippians chapter 2, 5 through 11. You'll have to feel better. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, and took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. And being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath also, also had highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow of things of heaven and things in earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. We sing in our songbook, Jesus, 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 sweetest name I know, fills my every longing, keeps me singing as I go. If the sweetest, sweetest word is not Jesus, then what is it? Sorry, but you're going to have to wait to the end of the message before I will reveal that to you. But let's begin talking about how sweet the name of Jesus is. Names and titles are very important in the Bible. They identify and distinguish people. By the way, who named Jesus? Luke chapter 1, verse 26. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee, Named Nazareth. The virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came unto her and said, Hail, thou art highly favored, the Lord is with thee, blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not. For thou hast found favor with God, and behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. So Jesus was named by Gabriel, the angel. Well, at least he was the messenger of God. So it was really God the Father who named him. Though Jesus is a name we commonly refer to as the Son of God, he also had many other names, such as Emmanuel, Prince of Peace, and many other names that describe the character of God's only son. We are people who like to name our own children. The government gives us a social, social security number to identify us. 
Now, I'm sure there's probably out there in the world a few people who have named their children one, two, three, and four. I'm sure somebody's probably done that. But that's not common. Parents take a lot of time to name their children. Sometimes after a relative or perhaps a sound that we like, or perhaps because of the meaning of the word. A lot of times, names are eliminated because we know of people we know who we might not like so much and we don't want to name them that name. Sometimes parents don't think out the names they give their children. <laughs> At the time, the name sounded good, like the Wiser family naming their son Bud. Yep, you got it. it. may sound good at the time, but later when a person gets saved, that could be an embarrassing, unwanted name to have. Many a time, children question why their parents named them the way they did. But for the most part, regardless of the difficulty of the name, we hold to the honor and respect of the name our parents gave us. But in some instances, changing your name might be an appropriate thing to do, like when the Mouse family named their boy Mickey. However, if you kept that name, you'd be a shoe-in for president. I thought I was creative naming my first son over here after me without giving him the suffix junior or Tim the second. So I gave him a different middle name, Joseph. My middle name is James. Now the problem I had not seen in all that is that in all forms of documents, you use the first name, the middle initial, and the last name. So we have a different middle names, the middle initial is the same. We have had all sorts of issues with mix-ups with that. And it continues to this day. It's been quite the issue at the dentist that we share. <laughs> I know about all your dental work. <laughs> I don't think it was something popular when Patty and I were having children. But parents today give their unborn children a name. Esther and Tim have given their unborn child the name Dino, right? Now that's not a name I would have given because it reminds me of the Flintstones, whose family's pet name was Dino, who ate them out of house and home. Just saying. <laughs> Actually, I like prenatal naming because it gives the baby an identification related to gender, if they know it's a boy or a girl. It avoids the term it, you know, and avoids being termed a fetus. Prenatal names give anticipation of life also, you know, and the notion of a unique, one-of-a-kind creation of God with big personality <laughs> and purpose. Then there are nicknames. Again, some can be good and some can be bad. Jesus gave nicknames. To some of his disciples. In John 140, one of the two which heard John speak and followed him was Andrew, Simon Peter's brother. And he findeth his own brother Simon, and saith unto him, We have found the Messiah, which is being interpreted to Christ. And he brought him to Jesus. And when Jesus beheld him, he said, Thou art Simon, the son of Jonah. Thou shalt be called Cephas, which is by interpretation stone. Now, if you are a Christian, not only do you have a name given to you by your physical parents and perhaps some endearing nicknames, but you will also be given a special name in heaven one day by your spiritual family. 
Revelation 2.17 says, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the hidden manna, and will give him a white stone. I don't hear this preached a lot. Man, this is pretty special. One day we're going to be given a white stone, and in the stone, a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth. He will have a unique name. You won't have multiple kids. <laughs> we all have a unique name that, that, that's between us and Christ. But not only a special name, we're going to get a tattoo. Revelation 3.12, And that overcometh, Will I make him a pillar in the temple of my God? He shall go no more out. And I will write upon him the name of my God and the name of the city of my God, which is New Jerusalem, which cometh down out of heaven from my God. And I will write upon him my new name. Jesus is going to write a name on us. That's what the scripture says. Now, I am keeping the canvas clear for my Savior's writing upon me. Tattoos don't send people to hell. Tattoos in themselves don't make me think any more or less of the people who have them. But tattoos are kind of like human names. We can mess them up. But if you feel the liberty from God to afford the expense to mutilate the temple of God, your body, with your limited foresight, risking infection, and perhaps going to a less than honorable place to have it done, and having it placed in a less than honorable place, by all means... Save a little space for Christ to write his name on you. Now about this time you're thinking this is the strangest Eastern message I've ever heard. Hold on tight. It'll make sense here in a little while. Hang on until the end of the message. Now recently I've been laying out some hints for you to look at the use of the words Master and Lord in the Bible. These are titles. These are some important words in the Bible. You'll find that Master has a reference as that of one with superior knowledge, like a teacher or an instructor. But the word Lord carries the thought of control of our lives. Paul visualized his relationship with God as that of a willing prisoner, completely controlled by God. Ephesians 3.1, he says, For this cause I, Paul, the prisoner, of Jesus Christ for you Gentiles. In Ephesians 4.1, he says, Therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called. 2 Timothy 1.8, Be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me, his prisoner. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. Philemon 1 1, Paul, a prisoner of Jesus Christ, and Timothy, our brother, unto Philemon, our dearly beloved, and fellow laborer. And in verse 9, yet for love's sake, I'd rather beseech thee, being such as one as Paul the aged, and now also a prisoner of Jesus Christ. Now, the term Lord includes the word master. For if Christ is your Lord, he is your master. But the word master does not encompass the word Lord. For instance, we find the same thing with the words disciples 
and apostles. Disciples are learners or students. Apostles are an ordained, appointed portion of disciples, of which God will use as the building blocks of the church and the establishment of the Word of God. All apostles are disciples. Sometimes they're called disciples. But not all disciples are apostles. The Lord combines these words together in a verse in the Bible. Matthew 10, 24 says, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. There are those who are disciples of Christ, but listen closely. All disciples, those who saw Jesus as a great teacher, did not necessarily mean that they believed upon him for salvation. You can be a learner of Jesus, but not allow him to be Lord of your life. It's wonderful to have great teachers, but teachers do not own us. They simply help us. Judas was a disciple, but he would betray Jesus. Matthew 26, 25, and Judas, which betrayed him, answered and said, Master, is it I? He said unto him, Thou hast said. Matthew 26, 49, and forthwith he came to Jesus and said, Hail, Master. And he kissed him. You can kiss Jesus, you can hug him, you can do all sorts of things with Jesus. That doesn't make him the Lord. For the most part, the Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, priests, and elders called him Master. Knowing of this superiority of the Scriptures, they called him Master, yet they put him on the cross. There were ones who would come to Jesus calling him Master, asking what they needed to do to inherit eternal life. And when he gave commandments of action to them as Lord, they refused to heed the instruction. They refused Jesus as Lord of their life. And they went away sad. One came very close to making Jesus his Lord. Matthew 12. Why don't you go ahead and turn to Matthew chapter 12. Or I'm sorry, it's going to be Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12. Mark chapter 12, and we're going to begin in verse 29. And Jesus answered him, Mark chapter 12, verse 29. The first of all the commandment is, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. And thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy mind, and with all thy strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like, namely this, Thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. There is none other commandment greater than these. And the scribe said unto him, Well, master, thou hast said, the truth. Notice he said, call thee Master, not Lord. For there is one God, and there is none other but He. And to love Him with all the heart, and with all the understanding, and with all the soul, with all the strength, and to love His neighbor as Himself is more than the whole burnt offerings and sacrifices. And when Jesus saw that, He answered discreetly. He said unto him, Thou art not far from the kingdom of God. He wasn't there yet, but He was on no man after that durst ask him any question. Then there were the disciples who drew away from making Christ their Lord when they were bothered with his words. See, Jesus had all sorts of followers, people who called him master, who were considered his disciples. They were learning of him. There's a big difference between him as your master and between him as your disciple. 
said, and when they found him on the other side of the sea after he fed the 5,000, they said unto him, Rabbi, whence camest thou hither? Jesus answered them and said, Verily, verily, I say unto you, ye seek me not because you saw the miracles, but because you did eat the loaves and were filled. And after Jesus gave them some words in John chapter 6 that were hard to understand, we see the plight of those who sought Jesus for other reasons than believing on him and making him Lord of their life. John 6, 63, it is the spirit that quickeneth, he told them, the flesh profiteth nothing. The words that I speak unto you, they are spirit and they are life. But there are some of you that believe not. Followers of him think he's master, but not believing on him. For Jesus knew from the beginning who they were that believed not and who should betray him. And he said, therefore I say unto you that no man can come unto me except it were given unto him of my father. You know, God has to speak to you to be saved. That's something that God does. So from that time, many of his disciples went back and no more walked with him. Then said Jesus unto the twelve, after they all leave, because they couldn't understand, couldn't hear his words, and they left, which is too hard for him. He turns to the twelve, will you also go away? But listen to the difference here. Then Simon Peter answered him, Lord, to whom shall we go? Thou hast the words of eternal life. And we believe and are sure that thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. Quite a difference. These twelve, at least Peter is saying here, you're Lord. You are God. Whether I understand you or not, I just, where else can I go? I'm fully dependent upon you. You're the Lord of my life. We have yet another story that distinguishes those who only saw Jesus as a master and those who saw him as a Lord. In John chapter 8, and the scribes and Pharisees brought unto him a woman taken in adultery, and when they had set her in the midst, they said unto him, Master, again, listen to the word, they call him Master. You know, you know, see the Sadducees and the Pharisees and the scribes and the religious people calling him Lord. We're going to call him Master because we can't deny him. He is just he. He quite is the Lord of God. He just knows the Lord of God. He's saying that a master, this woman was taken in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned, but what sayest thou? Now, this is where he wrote in the sand, if you remember. The scribes and Pharisees would call a master and leave one by one, convicted, yet unwilling to make him Lord. But notice how the woman addresses Jesus of all people. John 8, 9. And they which heard it being convicted by their own conscience went out one by one, beginning at the eldest, even unto the last, and Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had lifted up himself and saw no one but the woman, he said unto her, Woman, where are those thine accusers? Hath no man condemned thee? She said, No man, Lord. Jesus said unto her, Neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin no more. I'd like to take a look at a few verses 
speaking Jesus as Lord. Now these verses come after Jesus' resurrection. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. And when they were come up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more, and he went on his way rejoicing. And they said, Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. God meant that made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Lord of heaven and earth, dwelleth not in temples made with hands. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. Concerning his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh. And I'll end with another one. Romans 10, 13, for whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. Now I want to do something here. I'm going to, I'm going to use the word, remember, if he's your Lord, he's your master. Okay. But I'm going to replace these verses and take out the Lord and put in master. And it shall come to pass that whosoever shall call on the name of the master shall be saved. Therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made that same Jesus whom you have crucified, both Master and Christ. And when they were come up out of the water, the spirit of the Master caught away Philip, that the eunuch saw him no more. And they that believed on the Master Jesus Christ, and they said, Believe on the Master Jesus Christ, and thou shalt be saved in thy house. God made the world and all things therein, seeing that he is Master of heaven and earth. As I read these and, and replace that word Lord with Master, and though Master is a strong word, you feel the insufficiency of its use in the context of who Jesus is in the life of a true believer. I'm afraid we live in a world that sees Jesus as master and not as Lord. We have many Christians in name. But their lives portray Christ as an honorable form to follow, but not as Lord of their life. The control of their life. Paul said, I'm a prisoner. For Christ. This is what religion is. What the Bible says, having a form of godliness, but denying the power thereof and such, turn away. We have a whole religious crowd out here. How do you know which one are you? Do you call him Lord? Does calling Jesus Lord make him Lord of your life? Matthew 7.21 says, not Jesus speaking, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. But he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? And in thy name cast out devils, and in thy name done many wonderful works. He says, and I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, 
beings that work iniquity. We cannot use our works to claim him as Lord. Rather, without works, we receive him as Lord and do his works. That was the difference. I'll say it again. We cannot use our works. Look at all these things I've done, Lord, for you. I've cast out devils, all these things I have done to claim him as Lord. He refused it. But without works, in the very face of our life, taking everything out of it and just falling before him and receiving him as Lord and believing in him as the Son of God, then we do his works, not our works. I hope you caught that. Luke 6.46, he says, And why call ye me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say. The rich young ruler said Jesus loved him and he came to him and he, he said he'd done all these things and everything. And then she said, You know, go sell all what you have and give it to the poor. He's Lord, right? I told you to do this, right? Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. But right before that, he says, Why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not the things which I say? If he's your Lord, you will do what he says, or when you don't, you will be crushed by it because the Holy Spirit of God lives in you. You can't live in sin and in darkness and not serving him and have any peace in your heart. But you can. You're not saved. I'll just tell you that. He says, Whosoever cometh to me and heareth my sayings and doeth them, I will show you to whom he is like. He's like a man which built a house, dig deep, and laid the foundation on a rock. And when the floods arose, the stream beat vehemently upon that house and could not shake it, for it was founded upon a rock. But he that heareth, and there's a boatload of people out there. You don't know how tough it is sometimes talking to people. Because they have some form of godliness, but they don't know God at all. But he that heareth and doeth not is like a man in the foundation built a house on the earth. And the ruin of that house was great. To be saved, we believe on Jesus as our Lord and our Savior. Lord and Savior cannot be separated. We cannot have him as Savior, but refuse his Lordship. And we cannot receive him as Lord without him being our Savior. We must personally believe on him to have saved us through his death, his burial, and his resurrection. Nothing above. And with that truth, this is what we do. We do what, what would be the thing to do. We hand our the control of our life completely over to him. That is truth salvation, and then he rebuilds it from there. When we give full control of our lives to someone, we are servant to them. His words are our orders. And as we find in the hymn, it says it was best for him to have We are honored when people know our name, aren't we? 
It's a sign of showing one is important. At close to home, I will come someone by name, and they get excited because I know their name. Sometimes it happens every week to the same person because they forget. But they're always honored when I say their name. Meryl. <laughs> if you know Meryl, she's struggling a little bit with her mental facilities. And I say, hello, Meryl. And she goes, you know my name. And then you know what she'll tell me? Do you know about the church? <laughs> this will be interesting to what you can hear. Do you know about the Church of Christ up there in Hillsboro? That's where I went. I mean, she tells me the same thing every time. And I was baptized there when I was... You know, those kind of words, you know, when you get into the home, you know, people are struggling with their mind, but part of you says, I hope you don't trust me in your baptism. I hope that wasn't it. You know, but it's hard to talk to them because they're just losing their mind. Now, we all know what it's like when someone does not remember a name. It makes us feel pretty insignificant. It's interesting to see who Jesus gave a name to and those he didn't. There was a rich man in hell and a beggar who was in paradise. Tell me what the rich man's name was. What was the beggar's name? Lazarus. Four zeros. Get off the cross. He was known as God. What was the name of the rich young ruler who came to Jesus wanting to know he what he could do to inherit eternal life and went away empty, not believing on him as Lord. What was the name of those who came to God saying, Lord, Lord, but claimed their own works for salvation? They actually do have a name. He called them many. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, Lord. I'm not prophesied in thy name, and thy name done many wonderful works. And he said, Depart from me, you workers of iniquity. I never knew you. I never knew you. Now, turn to John chapter 20. I'm going to reveal to you what is the sweetest word in the Bible, and we'll find it in the story the resurrection. John chapter 20, beginning in verse 1. The first day of the week cometh Mary Magdalene early, and it was yet dark, under the sepulcher, and seeth the stone taken away from the sepulcher. Then she runneth and cometh to Simon Peter and to the other disciple, whom Jesus loved, and saith unto them, They have taken away the Lord out of the sepulcher, and we know not where they have laid him. Peter therefore went forth, and that other disciple, and came to the sepulcher. So they ran both together. And the other disciple did outrun Peter. John's faster than Peter. He came first to the sepulcher. And he, stooping down and looking in, saw the linen clothes lying, yet went he not in. Then cometh Simon Peter following him, and went into the sepulcher, and see the linen clothes lie. And the napkin that was about his head, not lying with the linen clothes, but wrapped together in a place by itself. Now, you might want to be thinking about that. We did that out there. That's what we had. We had a linen clothes, and we had a napkin laying by itself, and we added that to our run to the grave this morning. You might be asking, that's kind of an interesting verse there. Ask the Lord what that means. 
and said, Then went in also, verse 8, that other disciple which came first to the sepulchre, and he saw and believed. For as yet knew, they knew not the scripture that he must rise again from the dead. Now, we were told this a million times. They, they couldn't, didn't understand until God opened their understanding, which we'll read later. Then the disciples went again unto their own home. But Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher and see two angels in white sitting, the one at the head and the other at the feet where the body of Jesus had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing, and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? She, supposing him to be the gardener, saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him hence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, She turned herself and said, Rabboni, Rabbi, which is to say, Master. Jesus saith unto her, Touch me not, for I am not yet ascended to my Father, but go to my brethren, and say unto them, I ascend unto my Father, and to your Father, and to my God, and to your God. This was the first appearance of Christ after his resurrection. One word of her Lord, him calling her Father. It was interesting that Mary did not recognize Jesus by sight, but she recognized his voice. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. John 10, 27. Can you imagine the moment she had? Can you imagine a sweeter time than when you have Jesus look at you and you go to heaven one day and call you by your name? I contend that the sweetest word that you'll ever hear is that when Jesus calls you by name and you say, Now you might argue that point that Jesus is a sweeter word than Mary. But may I remind you that there will be many who know Jesus' name, but he will not acknowledge their name. Because they had a superficial belief in Christ. The name of Jesus will not be of Savior at the final judgment. Jesus will be a terrifying name to them. Fanny Crosby, the great hymn writer, was blinded at the age of six weeks old. A Scottish minister remarked to her one day, saying, Of all the wonderful gifts God has given you, it's too bad that he has not given you the gift of sight. This was her response. Do you know that if at birth I had been able to make one petition, it would have been that I was born blind. Because when I get to heaven, 
the first phrase that shall ever gladden my soul will be that of my Savior. Family in Jesus, Lord. To the giving of anything that the Lord requires for you was glad to have your sight blind. To the pianist, come. I'd like to have everybody's heads bowed and eyes closed. I don't do this often, but this is so important. And if God should be speaking to you today, I pray that you respond the way the Lord would want you to respond. Is Jesus truly your Lord? Are you secure in him as a child of God? Has your life made a dramatic change when you received him as Lord and Savior? Or are you really Lord of your own life, just working harder, trying to convince yourself that you are saved? Allowing God to be a master, a good teacher, but not having allowed him truly as Lord. Right now, change that before it's too late. Luke 13, 25, when once the master of the house has risen up and was shut to the door, and you begin to stand without him to knock at the door, saying, Lord, Lord, open unto us, and he shall answer and say unto you, I know you not, unless you know. That's the most horrible thing that can happen to you. This is you this morning. You would like today, this Easter morning, to make him Lord of your life, Lord and Savior. While heads are bowed and nobody looking around, if you have been touching your heart and you cried out into your heart today to make you Lord and your Savior, would you raise up your hand? That's what he would want you to do to acknowledge. Is that your position today? Is, is today the day of your salvation? If it is, just Raise your hand up and say, I've just laid it all down and I've given, given it all to him. Now, if you are a Christian, fill in that name Mary with your name. One day you'll see Christ and he will call you by name. As, not as, but because he will be one of his own. And if you have served him well as your master, he may add, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Don't let what God's doing in your life pass. Obey now. Whatever he's asking of you, do it now. Sin had left a crimson stain, but he washed it white as snow. Amen. Thank you all for coming.
Listen, I pray God spoke to you. I pray that you will do what God wants you to do. What he has told you to do in the message today. Mary. What a word of God right there. Let me read through that again and put yourself in that place. There's a day coming that's going to happen for you. You'll see him. And for him to say, my name is going to be. Remember that. God should take me some time. You have to suffer through the, the burial and all that stuff. Remember, he was you'll call me by name. The one faithful. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your blessings of this Easter morning and afternoon, Lord.